0: So today we're going to talk about how do we find God's will. And let's be honest, we all have asked that question at some point in our lives. I remember back when I was in high school and then when I went to college and, you know, I'm getting about the second year of college, I'm sitting there, I've taken all of my, you know, the, the, the required classes, all the things that you've got to take in order to graduate from a college, or at least you should take to graduate from a college. And, and so I've taken all those courses and then they, they come up with this pesky question, what are you going to major in? You know, what's going to be your major? And I'm sitting back thinking like, man, I don't have a clue what I'm going to major in. And so I made the choice. I decided to major in business. I had a business major. And so I started down the business major role. And uh, then it came up on my uh, degree completion plan that I had to take accounting one. And so I started taking accounting one. I don't remember who my teacher was. He was Satan incarnate, I'm telling you. Not because he was a bad guy, but because I had no clue what he was talking about. And so I started looking at my DCP as I'm taking this accounting to one class, and I'm like totally lost, totally clueless, like no idea what to do or how to do it, how to get through this class. And I started looking at the DCP, and I noticed that there was accounting two that was required, and then there was, you know, economics and all these other things are required. And I was like, okay, I'm getting out of this. And so I changed my major about halfway through my junior year. I changed it to political science because there was no math required. And now I look back after all of these years having graduated and I recognize and understand how awful it is that to get a political science degree, you don't need math. Washington has proven that's true. Because now we have a bunch of politicians in D.C. who obviously never took math. They did the same thing that I did. They jumped ship out of business and took political science. And now they're in Washington. And let's be honest, just as clueless as I was in accounting chapter one, accounting one, they're clueless now in Washington. And so we we see that and we understand that. But throughout that entire journey, I'm like figuring out like, what in the world am I going to do? And so I started taking political science classes, had some great professors, and walked through all that. I graduated with my political science degree, man, I was so excited, and then I graduated. And they forgot to tell you, when you graduate with a political science degree, you don't go anywhere. Like, there's nothing to do. What do you do? You know, you don't walk out of graduate, you know, graduate in May, you know, with your political science degree, and in June, okay, I'm here, I'm Washington, like, where do I start? You know, it doesn't work that way. And so uh, obviously there's, you know, a long path of trying to figure out what the steps were. And so uh, what ended up happening is then I went back into business, but I didn't do accounting. So I I went into business and I started doing some things there, walking through that path, walking through that journey. And clearly like um, it, it, it was apparent, it was obvious that neither political science or business is where God wanted me to be. And there was later on a few years later I was sitting in a in a church service over at Thomas Road the old Thomas Road and I was sitting there about halfway back in, in the old building and behind the, the the section there where the interpretation happens and I was sitting back there towards the the old Thomas uh, the old Carter lobby how many of you remember the Carter lobby yeah so I was sitting back halfway towards the Carter lobby there my dad was preaching and uh, and he was preaching about like literally calling People to go into full-time ministry, and as I was sitting there that night, like it made God like smacked me across the head and said, that's what I want you to do, and so I, I came forward at the invitation that night, and I prayed that night, making the decision that, God, I, I, this is your will. I know it, but i got to be honest with you, it took me a long time to get there, a long time to figure it out, and I think it took me a long time to figure it out, not because God was slow, but because I was. Not because God didn't make it clear or God didn't give me the right path, or, but, but I was not doing the right things to get to understanding what God's will was for my life. And so today, that's what I wanna talk about is how do we get there? Now, understanding, before we kinda of walk through how do we find God's will, we have to understand that when we talk about God's will for our lives, there are, in, in the biblical context, there are two definitions of, or two kind of pathways of God's will. So God's will is not just one thing. There are actually two descriptions of or levels of God's will in the Bible. And one is the sovereign will of God or the descriptive will of God. And the other is the prescriptive will of God. And that is what you're supposed to do. Like like what you, you know, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, where we're told that that we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the works that he prepared for us before time even began. We could go through a lot of other passages of scriptures that clearly, like God, has a plan for your life. There's not a person sitting in this room That God doesn't have a, a very clear, laid out path and a plan for you to do and for you to go and for you to serve and for you to make a difference in whatever field, whatever area, whatever place that it might be. Like every one of us, God has that plan. But understanding that there's two different ideas of God's will. So there's the, 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 the descriptive or the sovereign will of God. And that's like, hey, God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. It's God's will. When we pray for healing, we pray for God to heal. But we pray for God's will to be done. And sometimes God heals the way that we ask. And sometimes God heals in a different way. And that's heaven. We recognize and understand. We want God's will. Jesus himself in the garden when he was there the night before he died. He said, God, let this cup pass from me, but God, your will be done, right? And so that's the sovereign will of God, the descriptive will of God. But the prescriptive will of God is what we're talking about today. That's the path that like we've got to figure out. Like, what does God want me to do? What career path does God want me to travel? Like, like what does God want me to study? Where does God want me to serve? Where does God want me to go? Where does God want me to live? And so like, those are the things that today we're going to spend some time talking about. We're not talking about the sovereign will of God, because that's something that, that is obviously it's in scripture and we understand that we know that, but we can't understand the sovereign will of God because his ways are higher than ours. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the, the, the prescriptive will of God. What does God have for you? And so the questions that came in, the thoughts that, that you shared with me, like the things that we want to talk about, I want to give you some, uh, some of those questions, and again, we kind of brought them all together, and kind of summarized, because they we we are all asked in different ways, but basically they, they kind of all boil down to about four different questions that we're going to answer. But before we do that, the first thing that I want to say is this, is it it absolutely is possible for you to know the will of God for your life. Now I've had it. People have asked the question before, and they've actually said this to me: "Like, man, I've tried and I've tried, and I just can't seem to figure out what God's will is for my life. Like, I don't think you can know that. Yes, you can. Second Corinthians chapter five says this: that when you come to a relationship, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it says that you are a new creation." And all the old has passed away and everything is made new. We are given a, a supernatural ability to understand, to discern the will of God for our lives. God has that path and that plan for us to walk through. He gives that to us. And so clearly as saints who were once sinners, now saints who have been saved by the grace of God, that we've been given this opportunity to understand things that we could not understand if it were not for the sovereign grace of God. And so we can absolutely know it. So the first question we're going to talk about today is this, is how can you know God's will in this culture? Like in the craziness of the culture in the problems that are everywhere and all the challenges and all the economic issues and, and, and the accounting one classes that you have to take. And like, like how can you actually know God's will in this culture? Now in Psalm 37, we begin to find some answers. And the first answer we find is this. How can we know God's will in this culture? The first one's this focus your attention on the right stuff. Focus your attention on the right things. In other words, don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Don't walk down a bunch of different rabbit trails that don't lead you into the things of God. Don't get sidetracked. Go to Psalm 37, verses 1 and 2. It says this Do not be agitated by evildoers, do not envy those who do wrong. Now, I want to pause right there for a moment. The verse is going to stay on the screen. You'll see two words that are up there. If you have your Bibles open or if you have your phone open with your app, you can either highlight them or underline these two words. And the two words are agitated and envy. Agitated and envy. Now, here's why I think you should underline those. So when you look at that statement, do not be agitated. Agitated, there's the Hebrew word shorah, which literally means like vexed by, confused by, challenged by, overwhelmed by. Like disturbed by. In other words, what it says is do not be agitated by evildoers. In other words, don't be sidetracked, vexed, confused, agitated over the evil things that are in our culture, in our world. Now understand it. Many times people do not find the will of God because they're spending too much time running after the evil things of the world rather than the godly things that come from God's word. And obviously we know this in our culture. There is so much evil that's out there. I mean, there is evil on websites and television and in movies and in music and in friends and in places that you go and things that you can do and things that you can drink and things that you can take, things that you can shoot into your arms. There are so many things out there that are evil that will agitate you or, or will sidetrack you because you're focused on the things of the evildoers rather than the things of God. Okay. So it says, do not be agitated by evildoers. The second word, envy. And that word, envy, is the Hebrew word kana, which is the idea like literally, don't be jealous. And I think again, social media, the influencer, like the job that they do not train you how to do when you're in college, right? Like there is no social, you know, social media influencer major at Liberty or probably any other. Well, that's not true. There probably are some at some other schools, but not schools that actually do it right. Okay. So there's no major on how to be an influencer, but everybody wants to be an influencer. And here's the problem. The problem is that we're focusing on what the influencer is saying and we want the life that they have and we wanna do what they do and we wanna go where they go and we wanna have what they have. What what we recognize is this, God says this. Hey, if you wanna find the will of God, do not envy those, do not be jealous of those that are in the world. So in other words, the clear statement is here. Like don't be sidetracked by the things of this world. Focus your attention on the right stuff. Why? Verse two. Because they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. In other words, don't long for the things of this world, long for the things of God. Because when you long for the things of this world, they will quickly pass away. They will not bring you the value that you think that they have. They will not give you the joy that you are seeking. They will not give you the peace that you long for. They are not what God intends for you. Let me say that again. The things of this world are not what God intends for you. When Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that you're God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the works that he prepared for you beforehand. I can promise you the works that he prepared for you to do are not the evil things of this world. That he wants you to make an impact and make a difference. And that's why over at Liberty University, our mission statement for so many years, our vision has always been to train champions for Christ because that's what God wants you to be. He wants you to be a champion for Christ and you don't have to go to Liberty to be that. Okay, you are called to be a champion for Christ. Go to Romans chapter 12. You don't need to turn, that'll be on the screen. Romans chapter 12, a familiar verse. You know this verse. It says, do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We look at that verse that's on the screen, and it tells us two things, right? Don't be conformed to the world, right? In other words, don't be sidetracked by the things of the world but rather be transformed by the things of God, right? How do we transform ourselves by the things of God? By changing how we think, renewing our mind. And what's the result of that? The result, look at it again. So that you may discern, so that you will know, so that you will clearly understand what is the good and the pleasing and the perfect will of God. Okay, so now let me ask you a question, and and by way of like nodding your head if you agree with me, do you now believe, according to God's word, that it is possible to know God's will for your life? Do you agree with that? Nod your head yes if you do. Okay, I know it's early. Nod your head yes if you do, right? And it's not because of something I've said, it's because of something that God's word says, We don't conform to the world. We transform by the power and the presence of God in our lives. And as a result of that, the natural result is that we will be able to discern what is the pleasing and the perfect will of God. Good news, you can know the will of God. You can know that prescriptive plan that God has for you, that God prepared for you before you were ever born. And so how do we understand, how do we know how to do that in the context of this world and in this culture? We do not conform our minds to the culture, we transform it by the presence and the power of God. Now, the second question, or second answer, I'm sorry. How can we know God's will in this culture? The answer, stand out in the culture rather than trying to fit in. We have a generation of people today, and I'm not talking about young people, I'm talking about young people and old people. I'm talking about children and senior adults who are trying to fit in into this culture. They're trying to fit in, they're trying to be hip, they're trying to be cool, they're trying to be relevant, they're trying to make their their lives match up to what they see through what is out in the culture. But God's word says something different. Look what it says in verse three of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do what is good Dwell in the land and live securely. Now I want to read that again and I want to kind of add some comment, commentary as we walk through, okay? So we trust in the Lord and do what is good. If you have room in your margin of your Bible, if you're taking notes, you ought to write down two words there that basically lay out what that passage, the first part of that verse is saying. Believe and act. Believe and act. Believe the word of God believe that God is exactly who he said he is, that Jesus did exactly what he said that he has done, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that through believing in him, confessing with our lips, believing in our hearts that he is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, and we will be saved. Believe that, but then couple that with the idea of acting. And so it says, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Now, it's really cool. In your Bible, probably there is a semicolon after that uh, statement, after the word "good." That's probably what you see in your Bible. Might be a comma, probably a semicolon, and it says, "Trust in the Lord and do what is good." Notice what it says next: "Dwell in the land and live securely." I want to take that semicolon out, and I want to add because the semicolon was just added by like people back in the 1600s or so that translated the Bible. Like you know, that, that was not in the original. Language that was something that was put in in the translations that we find and we see. Trust in the Lord and do what is good, so that's believe and act. And rather than a semicolon, I want to add this in so that you can dwell in the land and live securely, so that you can actually live your life in joy and peace and contentment and you can be safe and you can find peace and you can find the path that God has for you. How do you do that? You believe in him and you act for him, trust in the Lord and do what is good so that you will dwell in the land and live securely. Let me ask you a question. And again, I think everyone in the room would answer in the affirmative. Do you want to live securely for the rest of your life where life is just good and right. And you know, you're on the right path. I think all of us will say, yeah, of course we want that. God's word tells you how to do it. So quit trying to fit into the culture. Quit trying to match your life with what the culture says is cool and hip and relative and be irrelevant uh, and be exactly what God wants you to be. Trust in him. So how do we know God's will in this culture? Lean more towards him than you do to the world. Second question we had that came in so often. How can I tell the difference between God's will and my own desires? This is a big one. Because we sit back and we think, man, I want God's will for my life, and boy, I sure want God's will to be this, right? I mean, we all have been through that. Like we had this path, we, the NFL draft was these last couple of days. There were a lot of players that were you know, hoping to be drafted, and they want God's will for their life, and they're hoping that God's will for their life is to get drafted in the NFL. Nothing wrong with that if that's God's plan. Awesome, that's great. But see, oftentimes what we try to do is we try to line up our desires and shoehorn it into God's will. So how do we know the difference between God's will and my own desires? The answer is this. Love him more than you love anything else. Love him more than you love anything else. Go back to Psalm 37, verse 4. A familiar verse. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. In another translation that you have, it might say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? We love that verse. That's one of the verses, I've told you before, that's one of the verses, honestly, when I was a kid that I really, really wanted to kind of lean into because I wanted to delight in him so that he would give me a Lamborghini. I mean, really, like, delight, just delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desire. Man, I wanted that Lamborghini, right? I've told you this before, that's one of the verses that kind of led me, that's what I want, that's what I desire. It's not what it says. That's not really the thought behind it. So I wanna change your thinking on this verse for a moment, right? So in other words, let's go back to the verse. We're gonna leave it on the screen. Take delight in the Lord, there's a comma. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now here's what I want you to see in the very next verse. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. And here's what I want you to think differently about this. So oftentimes we think of that verse, Take delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, and we think God's going to give me whatever I want. But when you truly delight yourself in the Lord, God's going to change what you want to line up with what he desires for you. Do you catch that? Not if you catch that. You see, when I was a kid, I wanted a Lamborghini. God did not want me to have a Lamborghini. I would have killed myself. I will still kill myself if I get a Lamborghini. Like I, I That's not what God desired for me. God desired something totally different for me. God desired something far greater for me. And so when you delight yourself in the Lord, what ends up happening, when you truly are committing yourself to him, what ends up happening is he will, verse five, he will act, and when he acts, he will change your heart to line up with his desires and his will. The reason so many Christians today are struggling on finding God's will for their lives is they haven't figured this out yet because they're more focused on what they want than truly what God wants. That they're leaning more into trying to figure out how to get God's will to line up with their desires rather than the other way around. Focus on lining up your desires with what God's will is. And when you do that, that's when you find that perfect path, that perfect way that God wants you to walk. So it says, take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. If you're truly taking delight in Him, your heart's desire is gonna change. Commit your way to him and trust in him and he will act. In other words, that is a promise from God himself. If you will trust in him and believe in him and delight yourself in him, oh, he's going to act. And he's gonna show you something that is great and something that is mighty and something that will blow your mind how awesome it is. That's what God has in store for you. So how do we know the difference between God's will and our will and our desires? Well, here's what it is. Man, delight yourself in Him. And I can guarantee you, the more you delight in Him, the more your desires are going to line up with His will. Second answer we see here. When you're loving the things of God more than the things of the world, you're on the right track. Look what it says in verses five and six again. We read the five again. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. He'll act. Verse six. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. In other words... The more that we trust in him, the more that we delight in him, the more that we commit our way to him, and here's the cool thing, here's what happens, is that the more he conforms us, transforms us into his way of thinking. In other words, he's making us more like him. And honestly, to truly find God's will for your life, You need to make sure that you're doing things every single day that are gonna make you more like Him. Because God will use you to do more when you're more like Him. When you look more like Him and act more like Him, that's when God's gonna do great and mighty things. God's not gonna use someone who looks more like the world. God might have a great plan. Again, He's got the sovereign will of God, but He's got that prescriptive like, like here's what I want you to do, And the only thing that can keep you from doing the will of God, listen to me, is you. The only thing that can shut down God's perfect plan that he has established for you before you were ever born is you. And so we have to make sure that we are loving the things of God, leaning into the things of God, walking in the ways of God, learning more about God. And that's when our heart will line up with his heart and when our heart lines up with his heart that's when we're going to see things that we could never have imagined ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think and so that is the picture that god gives to us now here's the next question question three how long will it take to find god's will anybody ever asked that question before like how long is this going to take like man, I've been waiting, I've been looking, I've been searching, I've been traveling like how long does it take to find God's will? Go to verse 7. The first part of verse 7, Psalm 37 it says this be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. The answer we get is this is as long as it takes. God's timing is far better than yours. As long as it takes. Finding God's will, as long as it takes. How long is it going to take? doesn't matter. As long as it takes. Why? Because God's timing is better than yours. So just be silent and just wait. You see, again, when we get sidetracked, when we get distracted by the things of the world, what clearly happens is this, is that there's so much noise that we miss out on the still, small voice of God. God speaks in that still, small voice. And understand he does it on purpose. Because again, this is the God of the universe, right? This is the God who created everything with just a word, right? This is the God who's spoken into existence and boom, it's there. This is an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. Don't you think that God could talk louder than all the noise and distractions that are in the world? Don't you think that's true? Like, don't you think God can like, like just, you know, with a booming voice, speak and everything changes? Of course He could. But that's not what he wants to do. What he wants to do is he wants to speak in a small, quiet whisper. And here's why: because when he speaks in a small, quiet whisper, it makes us lean in to hear him better, it makes us turn the radio down a little bit, it makes us walk away from the noise and the distractions. Have you ever been in a situation where you're maybe a crowd of people and someone's trying to tell you something and they, they say, hey, I want to tell you something and they, they they, lean over and they whisper in your ear, boy, you, man, you're you tuning in, aren't you? I mean, like you're, you want to hear it. Here's why, because you think it's gossip, right? Like, man, I want to hear what this person, I want to hear what they have to say. This is going to be awesome, man. You lean in because you don't want to miss this, right? That's why God speaks in a still, small voice. It's because he wants us to desire to hear from him more than anything else of course he could drown out all the noise he doesn't want to what he wants to do is rather than drown out the noise he wants you to zero in on his word and so he wants us to understand like that is the clear picture that God wants us to have the second answer how long is this going to take well what we have to recognize man don't get frustrated while others seem to be thriving and I've seen that so often in our hearts, we're like, sitting like, man, we're looking for God's will. But man, look at this guy over here. I graduated from college with him. Man, he's knocking it out of the park. Man, he's killing it. Man, he's doing incredible things. Like, why can't I do that? I'm sitting over here like wondering like what's next, trying to figure out the, finding a job. Like, I, I can't figure out what's next here. And look at that, man, they're killing it over there. Don't be frustrated that others are thriving. Why? Look in the second part of verse seven, Psalm 37. Do not be agitated. There's that word again. Do not be agitated or vexed by one who prospers in his way by the person who carries out evil plans. Now, that's not to say that everyone who is thriving is evil. That's not to say that. What it does say is this, is God's word is telling you to be silent and to listen, wait expectantly for him, and don't worry about what others are doing because God has not called you to be someone else. God has not called you to do what someone else is doing. God has not called you to that job or that position or that, that path that someone else is walking. God has not called you to that. In fact, if you were doing what that other person was doing, you would fail miserably. And it would look nearly as good as them. Talked about the NFL draft these last couple of days. So we go back to, you know, Tom Brady, right? Arguably, and please, this is not the topic of conversation for today. Arguably, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football, right? We get that. Okay, so let me, here's what I know. He's 40, what was he, 42 when he retired for the second time? Am I right about that? Like 41, 42? Oh, cool. Okay, so here's what I know. He was old, okay? For a quarterback, he was an old guy. I'm an old guy, okay? So last year that he played, he was playing for uh, Tampa Bay, right? Okay, so last year that he played, he's an old guy. I'm an old guy why couldn't I have gone down there and just said, you know, Tom, I want you to sit on the bench and I'm going to play in the games here. I'm going to be the quarterback now. now. You just go take a seat over there. I want to do what you do. I want all the notoriety. I want all the money. And boy, he got some money. Like, like I, want, I want to do what you're doing. So you go sit down and I'm going to do that. You know what would happen? Probably at about the 14 minute and 27 second mark of the first quarter, like when there's that much time left, right? So in other words, 33 seconds into the game, I would be lying flat on the field, gasping for breath, with broken bones, and they would have to carry me out on a stretcher, because I'm not capable of doing what Tom Brady does, right? And neither are most of you in this room, probably all of you in this room, I'm not capable of doing. I may desire to have that spot, I may want to do that, but I can't do that. Why? God hasn't called me to that. God didn't plan for me, had a path for me to do that. I couldn't do that. Conversely, if Tom Brady called me and said, hey, I want to preach on Sunday, my answer is no. Like, it ain't happening, Tom. I mean, you can come and, you know, after the service, we can go down the field. We can throw some balls together. That'd be cool. And we'll invite everybody to come down to watch you. But I'm not going to put you on that platform to preach, because I don't know what you're going to say. Well, actually, I do know what you're going to say. You ain't getting on that stage to preach. Like, it ain't It ain't happening. Right? Because that's not what his path is, right? So you understand, like don't, don't be frustrated when others thrive, why? Because God clearly said this, don't be agitated by those who prosper in their way, by the person who carries out evil plans. And if you keep reading, going all the way down to verse 11, I'm not gonna read all the verses, but I'm to read verse 11, it says this. It goes to all the different people who are kind of thriving and like killing it and knocking it out of the park and you're sitting back wondering why. Listen what it says in verse 11 but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. In other words, if you stay the path that God has for you, if you do what God has called you to do, if you'll quit making it about you and make it all about him, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna inherit the earth and you're gonna experience prosperity. And you're gonna experience peace, why? Because that's what God has for you. And when you are in the perfect will of God, I've said it a thousand times, it's the only place you cannot fail. So that's where we wanna be. So how long is it gonna take? Who cares? Doesn't matter. God's timing is better than ours. Last question. So how do I start? How do I get on the right path to finding the will of God for my life? Four things I'll give you real quickly. First one is this, desire the things God desires. Desire the things that God desires. Philippians chapter two, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Focus on God's plan and God's path And delight in that, desire that, and God will do the work. Finding God's will, God's going to show you his will when you do this. Second thing, seek out God's word and his presence. Seek out God's word and his presence. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to flip over to Psalm 119. And Psalm 119, verses 9 and following, listen to what it says about God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees, your word, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes, your word, and I will not forget your word. Why? Psalm 119, verse 105. You know that verse, right? That it's a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. Like when you're wondering, where am I supposed to go? God's word's going to show you. So, focus on spending time in God's word. Seek out God's word and his presence through reading his word and through prayer. You will not, listen to me, you will not find God's will without being in God's word. You will not find what God's path is for you without being in God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 says this God's word is living and it's powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. It slices you right in half. It gets right down to the heart. It tells you exactly what God wants you to hear. We've gotta spend time in God's word. 2 Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God. Everything comes from the heart of God and it's profitable for you for teaching and instruction and righteousness and it gives you everything that you need to know. You will not find God's will if you are not in God's word. So we got to seek out God's word and God's presence. Third thing, surround yourself with the right influences. Surround yourself with the right influences. And the right influences are not the, the influencers. They're not the social media experts. It's not the gurus. It's not the people that everybody's celebrating. Surround yourself with the godly. Look what it says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And I want you to hear this. you got to highlight this in your Bible. It's such an important truth. The one who walks with the wise will become Wise but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Do I need to explain that to you? If anybody needs me to explain it to you, raise your hand in the room. Anybody need me to explain that to you? Okay. If you spend time with those who are wise, you will become wise. If you spend time with those who are fools, you're going to hurt. Got it? Let's move on. We got that one. Surround yourself with the right influence. And the last thing, don't wait to act. Now, we wait for God's word. We're silent and we wait expectantly on him, but we don't go sit in a corner and sit in our room, sit in our house and do nothing until God speaks. What we do is we begin to serve in the way that God has us to serve now, so that God will reveal to us what that is later. James chapter one, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's a command. That's a prescriptive statement of the will of God. Do, do, act. Yesterday we had our serve day and we had like 1,300, 1,400 students and and about 100 or so out of of Thomas Roeders that were out serving in our community. And I was going around talking to some of the individuals and some of the students were serving different places around town. And and I was in one spot, I can't remember where it was, and the student was there and he said, listen, this is awesome. This is great. This is incredible to be able to do this. You, You ought to plan more of these throughout the year so we can do this. And I love that he set that up, because he set basically the ball on the tee for me. Because what I says, is you don't need us to give you opportunities to serve. You can serve every day. And in fact, you should, because that is what God has called us to do. How do we find the will of God? The only way to find the will of God is to seek God. It's the only way. And so I pray that you'll do it today. Let's pray. God, thank you for the instruction today that we have received, as 2 Timothy chapter three tells us. Instruction in righteousness, that it's good for reproof and it's good for doctrine. God, we thank you that your word has spoken to us and I pray that for people in this room, maybe those struggling with like, what do I do next and how do I get there? God, that today that they would recognize and understand running after you is the best way to figure out where we're to run. And so God, I pray that they would do that. And God, if there's someone here today that has sat here and listened to all the things that we've talked about, recognizing, yeah, that you're the source, that you're the answer, that you're our hope, and that maybe they're sitting there and recognizing today that the one thing they're missing is the fact that they have never entered into a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. I pray today would be the day that they would recognize in order to find the will of God, the ultimate will of God is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, which is all of us, that he's not willing that any should perish, that God's will is for us to know God and to experience the power of salvation through what Jesus has done. God, I pray that right now, that's where the decision they will make. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Our team is gonna gather here at the front. In a moment, we're going to dismiss and our altar is going to be open. It's going to be open for three things. Well, a lot of other things, but three particularly today. The first one is this. If you don't know Christ, the first step in finding God's will for your life, God's perfect plan for your life is to find God. And if you're here today and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, if you've not accepted Christ and believed that he died and that he rose again for you, no matter what you've done, that when the service is over in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come down to this altar and to talk with one of our team members here and let them share with you who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and what he wants to do today for you. Second thing, if maybe you have been looking for what God's plan is, there are some men in this room today that God has been dealing with you, God has been like knocking you over the head, and God has been like showing you, and maybe you've been fighting it, that God has called you to be a pastor. God has called you to do like what I'm doing and what others are doing, what Jonah is gonna be doing when he goes and serves in in the army as a chaplain. And maybe God has called you to be a a pastor and you've been avoiding it. Today, I'm gonna invite you. If you've been struggling with that and you really believe God wants you to go into ministry like I dealt with and did many, many years ago at the old Thomas Road when I was called to ministry and I came down this altar and I I prayed right then, God, you call, I'm gonna do it maybe today that's you and I'm going to invite you in a moment to come down to this altar and right here at this altar Jonah Jonah come stand in the middle over here Jonah I want you over in the middle so we got Jonah we got Tom we got Mike I want you to come down to one of these guys I want you to come and just tell him hey I want to go into full-time measure I believe God has called me to that if you're on this side of the room, Grayson's right here. Come down, Grayson. Man, I believe God's called me to ministry. And I want you today to make that declaration. God, whatever it is, I'm gonna do it. Maybe there's some, some others in this room, God's called you to full-time ministry, like to mission field or, or into worship ministry or in children's ministry or in student ministry. Come down, talk to one of our team members. Yeah, I, I, God's called me into ministry. Men and women that God is like clearly dealing with today, that call is out there, and I want you to respond. Maybe today, you're here and you have been allowing yourself to be distracted by the noise of the world and not running in a path that God wants you to have. And maybe two things, you've either, number one, haven't really been concerned about God's will. And honestly, that's something you need to repent of. That's sin. Because God calls you to something that means he wants you to obey. And if you're not obeying God, that's disobedience. And if you're disobeying God, that's sin. And so today, maybe you need to come and just and repent, kneel here and just repent and say, God, I'm sorry that I've been ignoring your plan for my life. Or secondly, like you come down here and you just say, man, I've been allowing, I know what God's will is, but man, I've been allowing the noise to get in my ears and get in my way and stopping me from doing what you've called me to do. God today, I'm sorry. And asking God for forgiveness for allowing the distraction to keep you from that perfect plan. Whatever it is today that God is dealing with you. Now certainly you can come and join our family at church. And certainly you can come in for baptism. Whatever it is, that's all great. But those three things that I just shared with you, like, like if that's you today, I want you to come. So we're going to stand. And I'm going to pray. And when I pray, our service is going to be concluded. And if you're here today and you felt like truly God is calling me, God's telling me, God's dealing with me to do something, Today I'm going to ask you to make that move to the front. Others might be moving to the doors. Others might be going to Bruner Hall to find a place to serve. That's awesome and that's great. And maybe looking for God's will, it's a great place to start, right? But if you fall in those three categories where God has clearly told you, I need to go to that altar and get things right and get things done and get things dealt with today, here, now, I want you to make your way down to the front in a moment and talk with one of these team members here and say, Hey, help me get there. God, we thank you for dealing with us and working in us and working through us. God, I pray for that person right now. Lord, that you might be calling into ministry. God, I pray that you would help them to act. Lord, for that young man who's sitting there knowing that you're calling him to be a pastor, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, deal with him right now and here. God, I pray for that person who needs to meet you and believe in your son, Jesus. God, I pray that they would make their way to the front, talk with one of our team members. God, for that person who's allowing the noise of the world to distract them from the things of God, God, I pray that they'll come and get that right today. And God will give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Make your way to the front. God bless you and have a great day. I wanna thank you for joining with us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition in your life of being a sinner and needing a savior, you can do so right now believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life. Just ask him to save you today. If you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of his son, Jesus, we would love to chat with you about that. I would encourage you to email us at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Jesus Christ in your life. And if you would like to help to contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with the amazing message of God's love, to let them know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, that He rose again, and through Christ, we have hope.